Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether you're in North or South Carolina or anywhere else in the world, enter the cat game to listen to your favorite Carolina Panthers podcast as a part of the Keep Pounding Podcast Network and powered by the Fans First Sports Network, where you can find shows like Embrace Debate and Inside the Vault. And if you listen to the show or watch the show last week, uh, you'll see a familiar face on the screen. Shannon Smith is back with us to talk Carolina Panthers football post-week five. Shannon, what's going on, bud? I'm in not too much, man. Ready to talk a little bit of football, and let's break some stuff down, man. I'm ready. Yeah, it was... uh... I don't know. I don't know how to how to start it off, other than to say that it, it was another long week for the Carolina Panthers. I'm in my. If you're watching the show on Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel, I'm wearing my Black Panthers jersey in sort of a uh, in, in sort of a, a, a somber mood, a mourning, if you will, as the Panthers fall to the Detroit Lions uh, to go to zero and five on the season, a big loss, forty two to twenty four. But Shannon, I think there's some good things to take away. From this game, at least from the offensive side, let's start off on offense. Uh, the Panthers, however, they never led in this game. But it seemed like Bryce Young finally started getting the hang of, of getting the ball out. He did have two interceptions in this, in this game, but the same number of completions that he had last week, 25 completions, 247 yards, I believe that's a career high for him at this point in the NFL. Um, and he also, I believe, put up 24 fantasy points in this game, if anybody's paying attention uh, to fantasy football. Uh, but once again, Chuba Hubbard leading the backfield. We're going to get to the running back situation uh, a little while later in the show. But Adam Thielen continues to show why the Panthers went out and signed him. Uh, he seems to have found a, a, a rejuvenation here in Carolina since week one. Uh, as again, if you look in, in a fantasy football perspective, a PPR monster um, with 11 catches in this game. Um, Shannon, Tell me what you saw out of this offense that, that gave you some optimism going forward. 
Bryce Young is throwing the football and he's throwing with confidence. And I like that because, you know, with him being so young, you kind of think about, does he have the confidence to stand in the pocket and fling the ball? And yes, he does. He had three touchdowns on the day, uh, close to 300 yards passing. So Bryce is throwing it. He's flinging it. And that's good. That's that's a sign of life because, you know, the downfield threat throwing the football has not been the Panthers' forte in a while. So the fact that Bryce Young is stepping up and throwing it in the pocket is a sign of life. And I liked it. You know, I thought that he was doing very well. The two picks aren't great, but, you know, if you're throwing that ball with confidence, it's going to happen eventually. The the one pick, I got to say, though, the the second pick that he threw – yeah, that kind of that kind of hurt, you know what I mean, because it was a defensive lineman that picked it off. Okay. But with that being said, he's still throwing the ball and he's throwing with confidence. Yeah, that so to your point, that first interception he threw in the first quarter, um, Aiden Hutchinson sort of just reached his hand back and pit and picked it up. I mean, not many defensive linemen, uh, specifically defensive ends, are gonna be able to reach behind their back uh to to snag a screen pass, right? So I don't necessarily put that on Bryce Young. He was, no. you know, granted, he could have made the right decision and thrown it, thrown it at the foot of his of his receiver, or or thrown it out, gotten out of the pocket, thrown it out of bounds. Uh, but I I put more of that on the the emphasis that Aiden Hutchinson is just a, he's a baller, absolutely, uh, a, a second year player out of Michigan, the number one pick taken by the Detroit Lions last year, uh, paying paying dividends for that Detroit Lions defense. I don't put that one on him. No, I do no. put. I do put the one on him later on in the game, uh, primarily because it, it was sort of the backbreaker. Like the, the Panthers were fighting to be in this game the entire day. They went down 14 nothing. They fought their way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that interception late, and Miles Sanders had a fumble in this game that, was, that turned to be costly. Uh, that that just it, the mistakes just sort of did the Carolina Panthers in. And that touchdown seems sort of inexplicable. Or, I'm sorry, that the interception uh, later in the game seems sort of inexplicable to me. Now the, the the Panthers have been really good on defense despite being 0-5. However, that was not the Lions, or I'm sorry, that was not the Panthers defense we got against the Lions this week. Gave up 236 yards and three scores to Jared Goff, did not turn him over. Uh, and this is in a game in which two key players for the Lions offense did not play. Amon Ross St. Brown did not play in this game. Right. Rookie rookie running back Jameer Gibbs did not play in this game. So it was on the back of David Montgomery, who who showed up and showed out for the Lions, 109 yards rushing on the day with a touchdown. They also added another touchdown by the backup running back, Craig Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but chalking up to Jared Goff, who uh, for the better part of this day, just torched everybody on the Carolina Panthers uh, defense, both uh, in, in the secondary and from the linebacker standpoint, because rookie tight end Sam Laporta, Scored two touchdowns in this game. Uh, from a a defensive uh, from a defensive standpoint, why do you is do we want to chalk this up to the fact that the Lions are a really good football team this year, or was this just a really bad outing by this otherwise stout Panthers defense? I'm going to stick to what I said last week. The Detroit Lions are on a mission. No, not the Detroit Red Wings. No, not the Detroit Pistons, and definitely not the Detroit Tigers, who finished second with a with a sub five hundred record in a cupcake division. Looking at you, American League Central. What's up, Brett? <laughs> so the thing about it is, is that 
Detroit is a – they're showing themselves as a good football team. They're fighting for that third NFC squad. I mean, I think there's no doubt, barring injury, that they'll win the, the NFC North. I think they will. Um, but they showed it here. I also said this a couple years back when Jared Goff got traded for Matthew Stafford. I felt like they got the same guy. And that's not a bad thing because Jared Goff is not a bad quarterback. He was not. He went to the Super Bowl. They unfortunately lost when he was the starting quarterback. And Matthew Stafford is a quarterback that got a lot of stats. So I thought that they were the same guy. So I was like, okay, so they're pretty much just swapping jerseys on these guys is basically what they're doing. They're swapping numbers. You're just getting the same guy. And now Jared Goff is getting momentum. He's got pieces. He's got a defense that won't leave any uh, – he's got. A, he's not leaving any points on the field for the defense. They have a defense that's capable, and there's no Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North, so that kind of helps as well too. Yeah. So that's going to be good for Detroit, and I think that they're getting a lot of momentum for that. But I think, honestly, I mean, Carolina's had their problems – it's self-evident in their games. They've had their problems on the offensive side of the ball, of course, leaving points on the field, which is another thing. And the red zone play has been kind of tough. And the running game, which we'll talk about later, has been another thing. But they've had their problems. But Detroit just showed that they're trying to make some noise in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you want to look at some some highlights from this defense, they did get to Jared Goff twice. Yes. Jared Goff threw had, had 20 completions out of 28 attempts. So he was pretty efficient throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And to the doubters, even the Detroit Lion fans who think that Detroit is a, a elite quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender, Jared Goff's an elite quarterback. I mean, I yeah. he he's he's I, I don't know his exact numbers of interceptions, but he didn't throw an interception in this game. Uh, he, he only took two sacks. The offensive line of Detroit is phenomenal. And so for the Panthers, banged up as they are to get to him twice. And, and the other thing that I take away from this game is the Lions were four for 10 on third down. Mm, under 50% on third down. That's and, stuff you don't see on uh, on on the box score. That's stuff, that's stuff you don't see. And yeah. that's crucial. If you're a good squad like Detroit says they are and what they've shown, and you're not cutting the mustard on third downs, think about it when you're playing Philadelphia, when you're playing San Francisco. Shout out to my boys. When you're playing um, even the AFC, when you're playing uh, Mahomes and the guys in Kansas City, and when you're playing these good squads, these squads that are good squads, when you don't convert on third down, what are you going to do when you play these guys that actually have lightning offenses that can come back and score? And if you get involved in shootouts with these guys, you might get beat. Yeah, and the only, the only unfortunate part about it was that, uh, that, that Dan Campbell likes to go on fourth down. Yes, he does. He, he did it a few <laughs> times in this game. He actually the 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 one of the touchdowns to to Sam Laporta was on a trick play. It was sort of like mm-hmm. a double reverse uh, pass back to a wide open Sam Laporta. Uh, so so again, I don't I don't chalk that because matter of fact, the Niners hit the same play in the Sunday night game. Yes, they did against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so <laughs> again, I chalk that up to just being a really good play design and and not a slight against the Panthers defense. Um, mm-hmm. But but again. The Panthers have been pretty good on defense this year, and so I, I think this this forty two point allowance to the Detroit Lions is more of a of a a, a, a signification that the uh, that the Lions are just. I'm not sure if I just made that word up. By the way, um, I, I think it shows that the Lions are are much better um, 
than than maybe the Panthers expect them to be. Uh, the, oh. the the Lions are a very good football team, and so I don't think there's any any slight against the the Panthers for allowing 42 points, especially considering they turned the ball over three times. Yes. Um, now there there was a, a scary moment in this game, uh, in which a rookie offensive lineman out of NC State, Chandler Zavala, uh, was it seemed like a pretty pretty basic play, and he he wound on the on the field face down, uh, not moving. Uh, we there was about a seven minute delay in this game. He was uh, put on a stretcher, taken to a hospital, and gave the crowd a thumbs up as he was he was he was carted away. Yes. Um. Shannon, would you believe me if I said that they're mulling over whether or not he's going to play this week? Probably so. I mean, that's the nature of the beast in contact sports. You know, you're going to get injuries like this. I mean, that young man, let him take his time, you know, because this is a neck injury. And you know and I know, you know, the severity of neck injuries. You know, they're, they're a um, one bad move could put you in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And I would hate that for anybody, you know, especially a young man like him. You know, that's just one of those things that you have to be weary of in a contact sport. You know, let him let him take his time, you know, go in that next man up mentality. Go with that. Yeah, listen, uh, they haven't released exactly what it was. They're calling it a neck injury, but he was back with the team later that evening. He left the hospital, rejoined the team and was with the team when they traveled back to Charlotte. Um, and, and like I said, uh, going on Panthers.com today, they were they were mulling over whether or not he was going to be ready to play this week, and they're hopeful that he will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, an offensive line that has struggled mightily this year, uh, with especially with a defensive front like Detroit has, only yes. allowed one sack in this game. So the Panthers cannot afford to lose a guy like Chandler Zavala, especially to a, a serious injury that might be career-threatening. So I'm hoping that they do their due diligence uh, there's a lot of injuries in the NFL this week between Anthony Richardson with an AC joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Jefferson is going on the injury reserve for the Minnesota Vikings with a hamstring. And uh, star running back, uh, rookie running back out of Miami, Devin, uh, Devin Achan, uh, yes. is mulling over uh, the injury reserve uh, due to a knee injury. So you want to make sure these young guys, especially we're, we're talking rookies a few years into the league, you, you want to err on the side of caution. And I think, Considering we don't know what the injury was, if it was just a stinger, if if he was concussed, and that's what they're that, that's what they were concerned with, um, I, I think they need to err on the side of caution. And despite the fact that the the Panthers' offensive line has has struggled mightily this season, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think it's time to rush a guy like Zavala back, um, especially considering that even though they only allowed one sack, the running game is still not going for the Panthers. No, it's still not moving for the Panthers, which brings me to my next point um, or my next question for you, Shannon. Uh, yeah. Is it is it too early to talk about moving on from Miles Sanders? And I want to I want you to hear me out again. If you're watching the video stream on 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 the Tap House and Touchdowns YouTube, I'm wearing my Mike Davis jersey. He backed up Christian McCaffrey a few years ago. Yes, he's a former Gamecock, whatever. I think right now Mike Davis is a better fit for this offense than, than Miles Sanders. Um, and that's, listen, Miles Sanders is a phenomenal football player. At least he was last year. Uh, he's doing something that I'll never do. But so far this season, Miles Sanders has 3.1 yards per carry. He's got 190 yards on 61 carries this season. One touchdown, and he's lost two fumbles with the long run on the season being 15 yards. I saw, I saw a play in the second quarter of this game against the Lions that – 
he just ran straight into the offensive line. And had he cut left, there was a hole big enough where at least he would have gotten three or four yards. Instead, he might have gotten one or two. Shannon, am I crazy to, to ask if it's time to move on from Miles Sanders and maybe see if there's somebody who's willing to trade for him this, this early in the season? Honestly, man, looking at the stats, I don't see why not. I mean, only one rushing touchdown in five games. His best game this year was week one when he had 18 carries and 72 yards against Atlanta. Didn't touch the end zone, not really anything. And pretty much after that, it's just been it's just been all bad. Now, here's the thing that I also look at when you look around the league. You see these capable quarterbacks with good running games right now. Take, a, for example, my 49ers, Brock Purdy, wouldn't be doing the things they did had he not had CMC. Sorry, man, I don't mean to. <laughs> mean to poke listen, the body. I, listen I don't, I'm going I'm to interrupt you for a second because I think most Panther fans are happy for Christian McCaffrey. Yes. This is, oh, yeah, this is what they be. want for him. And they should be. And that's and that's one thing also, too. And they should be because the thing about it was CMC did a lot for Carolina, man. I mean, he did so much. He was that team. And considering the fact that he's going somewhere where he doesn't have to have half the load he has and more success, I think that's great for him. Yes. But back to the point right there. Yeah. These young guys, these young quarterbacks actually have running games to rely on. Look at Jalen Hurts. He's got a running game that he can rely on. Tua, oh my lord! You put anybody in that backfield right there, and they're going all over the place. Raheem Mostert's getting it, man, and he was getting it for my 49ers at that time. Yep. So you've got these young quarterbacks that have running games that they can rely on. They don't have to do everything out there. And Bryce Young is on an island. I think that's another reason for the fact that he has the troubles that he's been having these past few games is when he's running the ball and you're only got a guy that's putting, what was it, 4.5 yards per carry in five games? Is that what you said? 3.1. Right? Less, exactly. Yeah. So, dude, you pretty much are looking at... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Second and seven, third and nine, more or less every single time. You're looking at third and long. You're not looking at third and short. You're looking at third and long more than you're looking at third and short. And, and that is not reassuring for a young quarterback. It's not. It's not reassuring for any quarterback, to be honest with you. So it's hard to manufacture yards and manufacture points when one part of the offense is being efficient. Yeah. So I yeah, I think you got to do it. I think you do. I think you're right. I, I think you're going from booby. It's really unfortunate considering that Miles Sanders was until until the, the Colts paid Jonathan Taylor, until you got one year, one year deals done for Saquon Bar Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Miles Sanders had the most lucrative running back deal in the offseason. I feel like this is going to do nothing but further make make owners question, uh -huh. is it worth it to pay running backs? Uh, I, I, I don't think that Miles Sanders is a fit for this offense. He had, a, he had his, a record season last year in Philadelphia that, that allowed him to go get this. Albeit, I think it was like $11 million a year, but that's a big money contract for running backs in the NFL. Exactly, it is. I mean, considering... I, 
than what quarterbacks are getting paid now in the league. I mean, when your top three guys that have the most money are quarterbacks yep. in the NFL right there, that makes running backs kind of look saying, well, why can't I make that money? And you know it's not going to be done because Roger Goodell's turning this into a passing league. Let's just be honest. Yeah. I mean, and and, not and it, it's not bad. It's, it's not a bad thing that he's done that. I think it's kind of uh, short changing the running back position, but it's turning almost every offense into a West Coast offense, if you will, because you're going to have to look at running backs who can catch the ball outside the backfield and look at what Atlanta's got in, in Bajon Robinson. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I again, I just – I hate to ask because it's only five games into the season. It's one of those things like when is it time to put your hands up and sort of like see see the guys that, that didn't work out like you expected to. Miles Sanders is one of them, mm-hmm. but – the other question I have is uh, if it'll if the screen will go to it, um, is it too early to discuss whether or not Frank Wright was the right hire here in Carolina? As I'm having, there we go, technical difficulties here on the on the video side of it. Uh, Frank Wright was brought into a team that was seven and nine last year, seven and nine, and a game out the game out of the playoffs. Now this is a this is a new look offense. There's no DJ Moore. Christian McCaffrey was traded halfway through the year. Deontay Foreman took over the running back. They still got Chuba Hubbard, who was who was leading this team in rushing. Is is has led the backfield in carries the last three games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're zero and five. Is it too early to ask if maybe they should have kept with the? I'm I'm hating myself right now because I had it in the, the top of my mind going into the show. Um, that they maybe should have given the interim coach from last year a chance. Okay. Confession time right now. Confession. I was very disappointed when Carolina did not bring back Steve Wilkes as head coach. Yep. Now I'm happy they didn't bring him back because he became a 49ers defensive coordinator. Yeah. So once again, thank you very much, Carolina. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But I really thought, in my heart of hearts, that Carolina would say, look at what the locker room is now compared to what it was. Now, now, let, let me ask you this, Ryan, right here. You had a bad boss before, right? You've had bad bosses, right? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't admit it. Well, I might admit it to a couple lifetime, of cases. Right? Yeah, yeah I've, had, I've had a couple of really bad bosses, yes. Yeah, in your lifetime. Yeah, you've had some bad bosses. I've had some bad bosses. Everybody watching right now has probably had a bad boss, if not one or two in their lifetime. So think about when I say bad bosses, how everybody felt when Matt Rule got fired. I guarantee you pretty much that whole locker room and all the fans and everybody that is affiliated with Carolina Panthers football was like, thank God this guy is gone. They rejoice. There are coaches that should coach in college football, and there are coaches that should coach in the NFL. And needless to say, I think that is best that Matt Rule stayed in college. Needless to say, but I'm pretty sure every uh, Carolina fan was happy to see Coach Prime and them beat them. Uh, his Nebraska Cornhuskers. Listen, every even South Carolina Gamecock fans are excited to watch Nebraska struggle because their offensive coordinator was the guy who basically floundered away a season for Carolina last year. Exactly. Uh, but I digress. Yeah, no people. People are loving Carolina Panthers fans are loving the fact that Matt Rule has gone to college because he got a big money contract in the NFL. And he got a bigger contract to go to Nebraska, and he's struggling mightily there. Bingo. And I'm telling you, so there are guys that you're kind of happy about that move on, you know, that that bad boss that either got fired, went to another department, or just left the job automatically. They were like, yes, 
we're happy, we're great. And Steve Wilkes came in there and pretty much took that team and turned around the locker room and turned around that culture for the little bit of time that they had in the regular season. It was great seeing it, and it looked like they were going to get in there. It looked like they were going to get that last playoff spot. It looked like they were going to. They were so close, but the New Orleans Saints, of course, had to play party crash. And and James Winston and all those guys, Lord have mercy. Well, even the Bucs in Week 16 or Week 17, all they had to do was beat the Bucs in their, in their end. So. Yep. And that yeah. did it. I mean, for real. And that really, really did it. But I really thought that they were going to bring him back, and they didn't. And I understand why they bought Frank Reich in. I get it. The wonderful story. He was our he was our quarterback when we began in the inaugural season. That's wonderful. Great story. And plus, there's offense involved. If Steve Wilkes would have been back as coach, it would have been like Mike Singletary was for my 49ers. Ground and pound and defense. And the bad part about it is not everybody is a king to that football because it doesn't put butts in seats. It doesn't put yeah. 42 points up. It doesn't make people jump out of their seats and spill beer on the person in front of them. It doesn't do that because it's mundane football. Let's just be real about it. But it wins. And the bad part about it is it wins. And I'm one of those type of people, if you're winning, people are going to come to the game. Yeah. Ever thought about that's a business move? Huh? It's it's just it's it's wild to me that they're they're starting off 0 and five, and we talked about this last week. Where did the Panthers get their first win on the year? And I'll I'll put the uh, I'll I'll put the graphic up again. Uh, they're 0 and five uh, going into the Dolphins game next week. Then they get a Texans team who who played really strong against the Falcons. Uh, they get a Colts team who just lost Anthony Richardson, but is still they get they just get Jonathan Taylor back and mm-hmm. Zach Moss all of a sudden played out of his mind in week five. Um, and we talked about the Bears being their first real opportunity uh, to potentially get a win, and they just blew out the the Washington Commanders on Thursday night. Football. He destroyed them and destroyed them, and DJ Moore had to be the one to do it. Three touchdowns, man! My man put up points like nobody's business. A career day for former Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore on Thursday night football. So, the, so the question remains because uh, we don't know when we're going to see the first win by the Panthers because it doesn't get easier. You get the Dolphins before the bye, and then once again, you get the Texans and Colts and Bears, who all look very formidable, and then you go into a game against the Cowboys, who, granted, just got blown out by the 49ers, but the Cowboys are still a very good football team. So I, so I ask you this. I asked if it was too early to, to, to question whether Frank Wright was the right guy. If this, if this coaching staff gets fewer than, like, two or three wins, because, they're, remember, their first-round pick goes to the Chicago Bears. And it could wind up being the number one overall pick in this draft, the way that the season is going for the Carolina Panthers. Does this become a one-and-done season for the Carolina Panthers? How bad does it have to get for the Panthers to blow up this entire experiment after one year? It's got to be. It, it's got to be the oh. It's got. They've got to lose them all. I believe. I think the skunk has to happen in order for everybody to get cleared out. I think it does. And I don't. As much as I hate to say I don't see the skunk, I can't say that for sure. And it's no disrespect to Carolina not playing. It's not that. I don't see Carolina quitting in the third quarter. I see them playing with everything that they got and just not being enough. That's what I see out of it. There's Mm -hmm. no lack of trying. I don't see any lack of trying in this squad. And that's good. But it's just that what they have stacked against them is tough. I mean, I really was not high on Frank Reich being the head coach. I wasn't. 
I really think that Steve Wilkes would have been would have done a better job because he would have had that locker room. I don't know if Frank Reich has that locker room. Show me you have that locker room, my friend. Show me you do. Because Andy Reid has his locker room and his squad is not even half of what they were last year. He has his he has his locker room. Um Lord have mercy. I dare say um I, Houston, say, I think the Houston Texans does. I dare say Tampa has their has yep. their locker room. Houston does. Yes, you're right. They have that now because they have a resurgence. Chicago just might have their locker room after Thursday night. The Jets do. After yeah. the Jets blew out the Broncos um, and, and, and you know, got back to the Nathaniel Hackett game, I guess, uh, the, the Jets, even without Aaron Rodgers, have the locker room back. So I'm, I'm with you. Exactly. I mean, granted, I'm happy that uh, the Broncos got destroyed, man. I still got grudges with Russ my whole life. I will always will. But it is what it is. But hey, that's, we'll leave that alone, the personal. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, it's just that Frank Reich has to show me he has his locker room. He has to show me that. And that's you it. Know, looking, anytime you look at an NFL schedule, you you sort of want to pay attention. Like, you, you want to be able to pick out a game like, okay, this is winnable. And when I look at, when you talk about you don't want to, you don't want to say that you see the skunk, I don't see a game on this schedule that I'm like, oh, yeah, the Panthers can easily win this game. Right. Every game that Panthers play this year, is going to be a dogfight. The Packers just lost to the Raiders on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. but the Packers, <laughs> yeah, the, the the Packers still look like it like a team that can compete. The Jags looked like they were they were they were you know left for dead and beat the Bills in London. Right. You, I mean, you just talked about the Bucks having the the Bucks having their locker room. They still yeah. got two games against the Bucks. Uh, I just I don't see a, a, a team. I, I don't see a team on this schedule. That I truly believe the Carolina can just walk into and say, "Okay, well, this is the this is the one we win we'll get this year." And the worst part about it is, I've already mentioned it on this this you know this episode, the last episode, the Panthers don't get their number one overall pick that they will wind up with this year. It will go to the Chicago Bears, and the Bears might get some help to make to to to, to make that team look like they can compete in the NFC North because right now it doesn't look like the Vikings can without a defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said earlier, said earlier in the show, it looks like it's the Lions' division to lose in the North. Uh, so, which is really, really sort of a disappointing and, dis- and discouraging uh, thing to think about when it comes to the Carolina Panthers and, and the trajectory for this season. Uh, and, and once again, uh, you you wonder if they if there's somebody they can trade away to recoup a first round pick, maybe a guy like Brian Burns, mm-hmm. so that you have somebody to pick in the first round, so that the, the fans aren't just completely shattered by the fact that they have the worst team in the NFL and they're not getting to improve much because they don't get an elite first round talent coming into next season. Uh, We're up against it. So let's go ahead and talk about Sunday's game. The Carolina Panthers at the Miami Dolphins Sunday at one o'clock kickoff uh, two straight games on the road against two of, in my opinion, two of the best five teams in the NFL last week with the, with the lions and this week, with the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins do not have Devin Achan this week with a knee injury. He's going to miss several weeks, potentially a candidate for the injury reserve, but it doesn't matter because Raheem Mostert is just as fast as Devin, Devin Achan, and they're potentially getting Jeff Wilson back uh, for the for the, the, the Miami Dolphins running game. Uh, the Dolphins have one bad loss on the season against the Buffalo Bills the week after they blew out the Broncos and put 70 points on the board. Is there any chance after watching what happened with the Panthers and the Lions last week. Again, I'm not going to ask if they have a chance to win because I think we both agree that they don't. 
Is there any chance that they cover this 13 and a half point spread? That's a huge spread for an NFL game. Ron, I don't have to answer that question. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't have to answer that question. I hate to say that. I hate to end it on a sour note, but I'm not going to answer that question because you know what I'm going to say. Listen, I'm right there with you, man. I just, I have not seen enough out of the out of the Carolina Panthers. The offense looked decent at times last week, despite the turnovers, but the defense gave up 42 points. In other games, the defense might give up 27 points, but the offense can only put up 20, uh, you know, or, or less. So um, I'm, I'm really, I, I, I want to see Carolina. We, we talk about a game, a, a season of improvement and growth. You have to see Carolina at least look like they can compete in games so mm-hmm. that they're showing growth. Otherwise, those questions that I posed on the show this week will start getting asked by the people who make a difference and have a have a bigger voice uh, than I do. Uh, Shannon, anybody you want to shout out before we uh, before before we sign off on here? Uh, I want to shout out uh, the Dallas Cowboys for blowing it um, Sunday night. How about them Cowboys? That's fantastic, <laughs> Shannon. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, remember, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs. Uh, my own personal podcast, Mondays are pro wrestling shows. Our Wednesday shows are for pro football. Uh, and you could also go to facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns. Uh, when we go live, you can you can find us on either one of those platforms and uh, be part of the conversation. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week uh, here on the Cat Cave. I can't believe we are almost halfway through the season. So thanks once again for everybody for being here. But until next week, exit the Cat Cave. We'll listen to more more content on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel and more Carolina-centric podcasts on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network powered by the Fans First Sports Network. For Shannon Smith, I'm Ryan Frick, and we'll see you next week back here right inside the Cat Cave.